let's open our Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a popular passage. Psalm 23. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. We are there, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Psalm 23, I read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For whose name's sake? For the name, I mean, for this, because of the name of the Lord. That name will avail for you today in Jesus' name. The topic we are going to be discussing very briefly this morning is the God of restoration. Amen. The God of what? For those of us that were here for the vigil on Friday, you remember that was the topic we were discussing? And we prayed on that topic, and I know God, has, God did some wonderful things, and they will be permanent in Jesus' name. Amen. In the passage that we have just read, Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Now, the, 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 it says he restores it. So, it's a continuous exercise. God will not restore once and say, well, it is done, you're on your own. But on a continuous basis, he restores my soul. Then he says, he leadeth me. Again, a continuous exercise. Another passage will say, he leads me. So he does it every day. He does it every time. In the path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Because the Bible says that our God is too holy to, uh, to behold what? Iniquity. His desire for us is righteousness. His de the desire for us is holiness. So if our God, we say, is a God of restoration. And today we are going to be mentioning about four things that he restores. And the first thing he restores is what? The soul. Tell somebody he restores your soul. No, no, no. Say your soul. Not, not, don't be selfish. Tell your neighbor he restores your soul. Now tell the person he restores my soul. That's very important. The question is if he restores my soul, what is the soul? He restores my soul. What is the soul? What is my soul that he restores? Is it my body? What is the soul? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It's a passage we're already familiar with. 1 Thessalonians 5:23. It says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there's a spirit. There's a soul and there's the body. The one we all see, that we are all seeing here, to, I mean, as we are seated here is what? Is the body. It's the body we used to identify ourselves as individuals. Right? That is, the, that, is the, that is the easiest part. And I believe we can easily identify the spirit too. When the spirit is gone, the person is gone. Is somebody with me this morning? Because the Bible says when God created man, what did he do? He breathed upon him the breath of life. When God breathed upon him, God released that spirit unto him. 
And the Bible says, man now became what? A living soul. So the spirit gives life to what? To the soul. And the spirit gives life to the body. When the spirit is gone, the soul is gone. And of course, the one we see, the one we relate to is the body. When the spirit is gone, give that body a few days. The body will, I mean, all the beauty, all the uh, uh, whatever, all the wonderful things we have spent on the body, they are now useless. We will not fail on this journey in Jesus' name. Yeah. I said we will not fail on this journey in Jesus' name. Yeah. When a man is born again, the spirit of that individual is born again. Immediately you give your life to Christ. Your spirit is born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we know that passage very well. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And like a man of God rightly observed, the moment you become, you are born again, does your face change? Does your face change? Does your body change in any way? But the Bible says, all things are passed away. All things have become new. So being born again does not change your body. And the moment you are born again, it's your spirit that is born again, not your soul. But your activities from that moment will determine, will determine the development of your soul. And that's very important. Your soul is your contact with the intellectual and emotional realm. As we go into school, I mean, our children go to school, you are learning, you are studying, you are reading, you are developing your soul. You are doing things that impact the soul. And so eventually, when you begin to present yourself, you are a medical doctor, you are a pharmacist, you are a lawyer, you are, uh, you are a businessman, you are an entrepreneur. I hope that's the way it is called. It's because you have developed your soul appropriately. To the point that, I mean, your, your soul responds to your desires. The Lord will uphold us in Jesus' name. I said the Lord will uphold us in Jesus' name. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says the word of God is quick. Tell somebody quick. And powerful. And it now says that word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. We see in this passage, the spirit, the soul, and the body are highlighted again. The joints and the marrow represent what? The body. And of course, the soul and the spirit are highlighted there. But the dividing factor, the quickening factor, is the word of God. Is what? So when the Bible says, he restores my soul, it means... His word has an impact in my life. His word has an impact in me. So your soul is restored with the word of God constantly fed to your soul. And not just being fed to your soul, you being a doer of the word. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. James 1. 1, 21 to 22. The Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, 
which is able to save your souls. So the word will take your souls from the level it is, which is distinct from the spirit, to the same level as the spirit is. And then verse 22 says, But be ye to us of the word. Be ye what? And not hear us only. Deceiving your own selves. If you hear the word and you don't obey it, the Bible says you are deceiving who? Who are you deceiving? You are not deceiving anybody. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So when the word comes in, when we read the word, when we study the word, when we declare the word, when the word impacts our lives, and we take it a step further, we practice, we are obedient to the word, then the word will have an impact on your soul. On your soul. Then it will be easy for you to obey the word of God. We all know Romans chapter 12. From verse 1 to verse 3. It says, I beseech you therefore brethren. Romans 12, 1 to 3. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. The question is, how do we do it? It's not easy to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's where verse 2 comes in. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When your mind is daily being renewed by the word of God, then it becomes easy for you to tell the body, this is what I want and you must obey. Is that not so? Then your body does not rule your spirit. Because the mind is constantly being fed the word of God. That's why verse 3 of that Romans chapter 12 says, it says, I say through the grace given to me, to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, the measure of faith. When the body is submitted, it is because the mind is transformed. In other words, a transformed mind enables a submitted body. Tell somebody a transformed mind. Enables a submitted body. In other words, when the mind is not transformed, the body cannot be submitted. When the mind is not transformed, the body cannot obey the word of God. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 6, verse 63, He said, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. He said, The word I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? They are life. The word he has spoken unto us, the word that comes unto us regularly, they are spirit and they are life. So our thinking should be centered on God's word. Our thinking should be centered on what? God's word. Our thinking should be centered on God's word. In Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, from verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God. Tell somebody the peace of God. Which passes all understanding. Shall keep your heart and minds 
through Christ Jesus. Then in verse 8, we are told some things we should think of. The things that we should constantly think about. Say, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. When you think on the things that are highlighted here, it becomes easy for you to run away from sin, to run into the arms of God. It becomes easy for you to be easily say, no, 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 this is not of God. And this is of God. Remember we said, a transformed mind enables submitted body. When you change your thinking with the impact of the word of God, then your soul is restored and you are constantly renewed. Your mind is transformed as a follow-up to the submission of your body. So number one, we said God of restoration is a God that restores what? The soul. He restores your soul. But the restoration of your soul cannot be perfected without the word of God. You must love the word of God. Tell somebody you must love the word of God. That's very important. If you don't love the word of God, the restoration of your soul becomes impossible. It's the word that will enable your soul and your body to be obedient to the word of God. So that is number one. He restores your soul. Number two, he restores life. He restores what? He restores life. And that's very important. In the book of Ruth, there's a, very, there's a story we're all familiar with. The book of Ruth. The Bible says there was a man of Bethlehem, Judah, who left his place and went to the land of Moab. Because, I mean, there was famine in the land. He went with his wife and his two sons. When he got to the land of Moab, his two sons, they were married. And then tragedy stopped. Tragedy struck. The first person to die was the man himself, Elimelech. He died. And the woman was saying, well, at least I have my children, even though their father is gone. Before she knew what was happening, the firstborn died. And maybe she still consoled herself that at least I have one left. And then what happened? The other boy too died. And that's why she made a statement. She said, I left this place full, but I'm coming back what? Empty. Not only did her husband and her two sons die, her two sons were married, but they had no children. So when they left the land of Judah, they were four. When she came back, she came back almost alone. None of those that went with her came back with her, except one of the wives of, the, of, of, of her sons. Except Ruth that came with her. We are talking about our God restoring life. If you look at the book of Ruth, you see how God directs the path of his children. Ruth made up her mind that she told Naomi, wherever you go, I will do what? I will go. Where you sleep, I will sleep. What you eat, I will eat. Your people shall be what? And your God shall be? That is the life of someone that knows the word of God. That is the life of someone that says, well, I don't understand it fully. But I know there is a God. Tell somebody there is a God. 
In the book of Daniel, Daniel said, all these things have happened that you may know that there is a God that rules in the affairs of man. Does that God still rule in the affairs of man? Does he rule in your own affairs? You will encounter him in Jesus' name. You will experience him in Jesus' name. She came back with truth. And she said, well, I'm not sure there's any way I can help you. But it was Ruth herself that said, we can't just be sitting at home. Let me go and just find something for us to eat. You see how God was directing her footsteps. How come she went out, there were so many farms. She didn't go to anybody's farm, but the farm of Boaz, who just happened to be a relative of Elimelech. Who just happened to be a man that could redeem that could redeem all that Elimelech had lost by marrying Ruth. And we know the rest of the story. God guided the footsteps of that woman. God will guide your footsteps. Amen. Somebody does not like that prayer. Amen. I said, God will guide your footsteps. Amen. When it looks like everything is lost, when it looks like if everyone is against you, I pray for you, God will guide your footsteps. Amen. And brethren, do you know that Ruth was obeying the word of God and the direction of God without even knowing it. It's not that she saw a vision. She just knew that what she was doing was right. If you know that what you are doing is right, keep doing it. Tell somebody, keep doing it. If what you are doing is not contrary to the word of God, keep doing it. Tell the person, keep doing it. The Bible says, do not be wary in well-doing. For in due season, what will happen? There is a reward. And you will not lose your reward in Jesus' name. Amen. I said you will not lose your reward in Jesus' name. Amen. I said you won't lose your reward in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, when Naomi came back to the land of Judah, they called her Naomi. She said, don't call me Naomi again. Call me what? Mara. Say, God has dealt bitterly with me. I've lost everything. There's nothing sweet about my life. Call me Mara, which stands for bitterness. But God was not yet true with her. And I want to tell somebody here today, God is not yet true with you. You will yet enjoy the goodness of God. You will, not, you will yet enjoy the sweetness of God. God directed Ruth to the, to the farm of Boaz in Ruth chapter 4. From verse 13 to 17, we get to the point where the Bible says, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went unto her and the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. Verse 14. Ruth chapter 4 verse 14. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which had not left you this day without a kinsman. You see the hand of God there? Naomi thought God had abandoned her. But it was our neighbors that made her to understand that God has not left you without a kinsman. So when you think there's no one left, there's still someone left. Tell somebody, when you think there's no one left, there's still someone left. It may not be the person you think, but God will work things out. And they said unto her, He has not left thee without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. He shall be unto thee what? A restorer of your life, and a nourisher of your old age. 
For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better than seven sons, had born him. And the Bible says, Naomi took the child, laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And her neighbors gave the child a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. Is that not interesting? It wasn't his father that gave him a name. It wasn't even Naomi that gave him a name. Who gave him a name according to the word of God? It is the neighbors that said, Naomi, you don't understand what God has done for you. But we know what God has done for you. We will give this young man a name. And so whatever name the father called him, nobody called him that name. Whatever name Ruth called him, nobody called him that name. Whatever name Naomi called him, nobody called him that name. Even God did not call him that name. The name the neighbors gave unto him is the name by which we know him today. His name was Obed. That's why the Bible says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, what happened? Who were like them that dream dreams? The Bible now says, the neighbors saw that God has done something for us. And they said, can you see? God has done something for them. Before they now, I said, yes, so God has done something for us. Tell somebody God has done something for us. Your testimony will be glorious in Jesus' name. The neighbors called his name Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. And you know the rest of the story. Naomi came back empty. But before long, her household was full again. Before Obed was born, she had everything set in order. The house was very neat. In fact, too neat. Is that not so? The chairs would be where she left them. The curtains, everything was just too neat. And then God sent a young man to scatter everything. So when children begin to run around the house and they are scattering, you better thank God for their lives. You better do what? Say, Father, I thank you that I have a greatness to come and scatter all the things in this house. Amen? Say, Lord, I thank you for Judah. That if I'm not alert, uh, before you know it, he will open the fridge and start playing with the yogurt in the fridge. There are people that desire that uh, uh, let somebody come and scatter this place for me. Is that not so? But nobody will scatter it for them. I pray for someone here today. God will grant you the desires of your heart. Whatever be the heart cry you brought to the, to, to the Lord of Lords today, God will grant you in Jesus' name. Our God is a restorer of life. There's a woman in 2 Kings chapter, I mean, uh, I, I take my, my message from 2 Kings chapter 8. After Elisha had restored that woman's child back to life, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 8, that the Elisha spoke unto that woman and said, Go, go on your household, sort whatever you can. Because the Lord has called for a famine in the land. And so she went. And the Bible says, after seven years, 2 Kings chapter 8, from verse 1 to verse 6, I'm just looking at some passages. After seven years, she came back. And it just so happens that the day she came back was the day that the king was talking to Gehazi and saying, I had, tell me the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king that, ah, Elisha has done some wonderful things, oh. In fact, there was a woman whose son died and Elisha restored her son back to life. The Bible says, as he was speaking, who came into the palace? The woman. The woman came into the palace to say, oh king, 
I left because of the famine. They've taken everything that I have. Brethren, God's timing is perfect. See, that's why we sang that song at the beginning that says, Our God is what? He's a perfect God. If only you will rest in Him, He will bring to pass His perfect purpose for your life. Don't walk ahead of Him. Don't walk behind Him. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 46, it says, be still and do what? Be still and know that I am God. Be still. When you run ahead of God, you are very busy, but you achieve nothing. But when you go in step with him, he will do wonderful things in your life. The Bible says, that woman came in, in verse 5, as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha restored a dead body to life. That behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The timing of God is perfect. The Bible says, To everything there is what? To everything there is a season. And a time to all things underneath the sun. The Bible says, when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers. Tell somebody, restore all. He said, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since, day that she had, since the day that she left the land, even up till now. What else do you want God to do? This woman left the land because there was famine. The day she came back, Everything she had was restored to her. The produce of her land for the seven years she was not around was also restored to her. Do you know that that's the way God does his things? Unto him that is able to do. Abundantly. Above all, we are able to do what? To think or ask according to what? The power that worketh in us. Do you realize, brethren, the Holy Spirit does not forget? How many people know that? The Holy Spirit does not forget. That's why in John 14, 26, um, Jesus was talking to the disciples. He said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, in whose name? In my name. He said, he will bring all things. How many things? The Holy Spirit does not forget. He will bring all things to your remembrance. When this woman was in a foreign land, agonizing, saying, oh, my house, oh, my, oh, my vineyard. The Holy Spirit said, don't worry. You will recover all. I'm telling somebody here today, you will recover all. Amen. I said, you will recover all. Amen. I said, everything the enemy has stolen from you, you will recover all. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit does not forget. Your day of restoration is around the corner. Amen. In fact, somebody's day of restoration or maybe I should call it the month of restoration. Amen. Because this month of June, Amen. there's restoration in the air. Amen. This month of June, there's restoration in the air. Amen. Receive your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. I say receive your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Number three, he restores the joy of salvation. He restores what? We know the story of David. David killed Uriah. David took Bathsheba and she became his wife. He cleaned his mouth as if he had not committed any sin. The woman was in his house for more than one year. David lost his fellowship with God. But yet, 
It was love that was fully blind. He refused to go back. Until the prophet came and said, uh, you, are you are a dead man. Say, you are a dead man, Mr. King. But he didn't tell him directly. He gave him a parable. When David realized what he had done and realized this is why my fellowship with God has been cut off. The Bible says in Psalm 51, David said what? Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Have mercy upon me. For against thee and thee only have I what? Have I sinned? My sin, my iniquity is not against any man, but against thee. In verse 12, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Brethren, did God restore unto him or not? He was restored. And I'm challenging someone here today. Maybe you've gone astray. David committed murder. You have not committed murder. But whatever it is you have done, there's nothing more valuable than the life of a man. Is it murder you have committed? Or maybe your own murder is not a physical murder, it's an abortion. Even that God can forgive. True or false? Or maybe it is, maybe you have stolen something. The Bible says, let him that steal it do what? Steal no more. That person was written to Christians. So. Is somebody with me? That person was not written to unbelievers. Let him that steal it do what? Steal no more. Maybe you are stealing your place of work. Systematic stealing. Blue collar stealing. Or white collar stealing. Can you tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, steal no more. Don't be afraid to tell him or her. I'm the one sending you. Tell your neighbor, steal no more. Maybe your own stealing is in the place of your tithe. You don't pay tithe again. They are taking too much money. The Bible says if you are not paying your tithe, what are you doing? It's even worse than stealing. I thought it was stealing. This one is even robbery. Tell your neighbor, steal no more. The Lord will have mercy upon us in Jesus' name. He restores health. He restores what? He restores health. He's the restorer of health. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 16 to verse 17. And I hope somebody will say amen to these verses. Jeremiah 30, verse 16 to 17. It says, Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured. Amen. He said, All your adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity. Amen. I'm reading the Bible, I'm not saying it from my head. He says, They that spoil thee shall be a spoil. All they that pray upon thee will I give for a prey. Amen. Do you know the meaning of when they say somebody prays upon another person? The person you are supposed to help, you are exploiting. That's what the Bible is saying. Then look at verse 17. It says, For I will restore health unto thee, Amen. and I will heal thee of thy wounds, Amen. says the Lord of hosts. He said, because they called thee an outcast, saying, this is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. In other words, some people have looked at you, and they've arrived at their conclusion. 
that this one we are finished with him. This one we are finished with her. This one is done. But God is saying, uh-uh, I am restoring unto you your health. Do you know that that was what happened to Job? In fact, it was his own friends. It was his friends that came to him and said, ah, Brother Job, you are a sinner. It is your sin that has taken your children. It is your sin that has taken your wealth. You have been sinning in secret. Now you are exposed. You better repent. But Job kept saying, what have I done wrong? And when God came through for Job in Job chapter 42, God said, these your friends, they have not spoken right about me. In other words, the, the, the experience of Job, I hope you understand the, la- the last thing that Job went through. The Bible says, from his head to his feet, what was it that he had? He had boils. Boils. I don't know. The man could not stand. He couldn't sit. He couldn't lie down. I mean, this, you know, the devil is a bad devil. Do you realize that? The devil is a terrible devil. And some of us are still eating with him. He afflicted this man to the point that, I mean, they say boils all over his body. If you've had boils before, you understand what I'm saying. You can't sit. You can't stand. You can't. Ah. But God is a good God. Because when God came through for Job, he restored his health. And then God told Job, go and pray for your friends. Because if you don't pray for them, they are gone. Then the Bible says, and God turned around the captivity of Job. When he did what? When he prayed for his friends. When he interceded for his friends. Our God is a restorer of health. And whatever be the health challenge that you are facing today, God wants to restore it. I say God wants to restore it. God wants to give you a new experience. Because he's God. Because he's the living God. Because he's the righteous God. Because he's the God of restoration. He's the God of restoration. In Mark chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says he restored withered hands. Withered hands. In Mark chapter 12, I mean, sorry, Matthew chapter 12, verse 10. Matthew 12, 10. Matthew 12, 10. He restored withered hands. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 25, the Bible says he restored blind eyes. Mark 8, 22 to 25. He restored blind eyes. And of course, we've talked about Job already. Brethren, there is nothing God cannot restore. Tell somebody there is nothing. God cannot restore. I was in a program during the week in one of our parishes. And there was a woman, uh, the man of God was just praying for her. And he made a statement. He said, they've taken everything away from you. He said, but God will restore what you have lost. And the woman began to cry. And as she was crying, what was the first thing she said? She said, they've taken away my husband. That was the first thing she said. (laughs) And brethren, if they've taken away her husband, what else did she have left? She lost everything. But the God of restoration has spoken. And it, maybe you are here today and they've taken away your husband. Take him back in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You see, there is a place for forgiveness in situations like this. Because there comes a point in time that you don't realize that what your husband has done is not because of what he wanted to do. It's because of what he went through spiritually. In other words, what he did, he did not by himself. Is somebody with me this morning? Whatever has been taken away from you, whatever you have lost, take it back in Jesus' name. I said, take it back in Jesus' name. Finally, he restores lost years. He restores what? In Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. We're going to be running out from there. From verse 25. I, I think we should just read verse 25. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. This, was, this is a promise that God gave by himself. Joel 2, 25. He said, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts had eaten. The canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. I don't know what, I mean, what your years of loss stand for. But this is God speaking. He said, I will restore to you those lost years. Then look at verse 26. He said, you will eat in plenty. Amen. I, I, I say it again. I say, you will eat in plenty. Amen. You shall be satisfied. Amen. You will praise the name of the Lord your God. Amen. And then to cap it off, the Lord says, I should tell someone here today, you will never be ashamed. Amen. Tell somebody, I will never be ashamed. It's the word of the Lord. It's part of his work of restoration. You are in a stage that men are just waiting to begin to laugh at you. They put everything in place. Ah, but God says you will never be ashamed. Amen. Tell your neighbor again, I will never be ashamed. Shame is not your portion. Because God wants to prove that he is your God. Look at that verse 27. He said, you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and none else. 